in the words of Isaiah, let my word that goes out from my mouth not return to me empty, but accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Amen. Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. See, I preached earlier this morning, and they know the answer really well. So let's try you again. Let's try it because of all things, you know, this morning we woke up this morning. We breathed new breath this morning. And of all the choices we made this morning, we choose to come to church to worship God this morning. So let us try that again. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Thank you. Uh, there is something that I like to refer to as divine convergence. Some call it God's timing or providence. It's that moment when you've been thinking about something, a particular word or a concept, a feeling, a person maybe, and seemingly out of the blue, you come across a quote or a song or a sign, maybe a stranger, who does or says something that simply affirms what has been occupying your mind and your thoughts. Has that ever happened to you? Well, that moment is what I call divine convergence, and that happened this morning. As I read all the stories in preparation in the readings for today, there was one word that kept coming to my mind, a word, a concept that has been plaguing my thoughts now for a while, infiltrating my work, reorienting my perspective, pushing me into some rather um, challenging and uh, uncomfortable spaces, especially as the world events unfold each day. And it is a word that I invite you to think about with me this morning also. Dignity. Dignity. The basic core value of being human, measured by a set of human rights that are innate and that we will always have no matter what, simply because we are human. Dignity, that unassailable breath of God that is interwoven in our DNA, in our soul, our very being dignity. When Jesus has this profound conversation with the woman at the well, the longest recorded conversation he has with anybody, by the way, I think of dignity. The conversation is extraordinary in and of itself. A man speaking to a woman in a public setting in a time when this was not the norm nor acceptable behavior a Jew speaking to a Samaritan, where hatred between Jews and Samaritans was fierce and long-standing, 
a transient passing through, speaking to a citizen. Dignity. In the Old Testament reading, after the Jews were liberated from hundreds of years of slavery in a radical exodus with parting waters and pillars of fire, they quarrel and question Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? To kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? They have the audacity to question whether or not God is with them in the wilderness. Is the Lord among us or not, they asked. It is in God's response, however, that I see dignity. God in God's own way, despite their quarreling, their doubt, their hardened hearts, allows life-giving water to gush from rock and quench their unquenchable thirst. These are radical examples of how to see through the eyes of God, how to be like God, how to emulate Jesus' actions and behaviors. And if this is not our ultimate goal as Christians, I don't know what is. In our baptismal covenant, when we publicly proclaim our partnership with God, we are asked, will you respect the dignity of every human being? Do you remember that question? Will you respect the dignity of every human being? It does not ask, will you tolerate or work with others? or even agree with every human being. It does not ask to be kind to, to be polite to, or even love every human being. It asks us to respect their dignity. Respect, from the Latin word specere, to look, like spectacles, to look, and the prefix re, again. Respect literally means to look again. And it is clearly what Jesus is doing in this moment with the woman at the well. Jesus looks again at her. He sees differently. He looks again at this woman, seeing beyond the surface or what others may see. Jesus sees in a way that transcends superficial, socially and politically fabricated understandings of difference. To see in her what is common to us all. Value, worth, and limitless human potential. Dignity. And as we learn from their conversation, not only are we to recognize that potential in every individual, but we are also to see the obstacles to that potential and ask, what are the ways to surmount them? Take up action. When you look at a caterpillar, do you see the butterfly? And when you look at a beautiful butterfly, do you also see the changes it has gone through to achieve that beauty? Furthermore, in their conversation, Jesus reveals intimate knowledge of her life. Five husbands 
and now a man who is not her husband. But we don't know the details. We don't learn the details. Were they a matter of divorces, deaths, promiscuity? We don't know. Jesus does not urge her to change her ways. Instead, he invites her to choose to worship God in spirit and in truth. I don't know about you, but I am so glad our God knows us intimately, all our blemishes, all of our joys, all our missteps in our thoughts, words, and deeds, and yet chooses to see our dignity. Thanks be to God. If only we gave ourselves and others that gift, the world would be a very, very different place. I've often said that the difference between being whole and having a hole in our heart or in our soul is simply a W. And that W is for worship. The question is, who or what do you worship? To see the dignity in every human being is to see beyond that which we believe is real, which are only figments of our manipulated, maneuvered, and molded imaginations anyway, to see what is truly real, the divine human potential embedded in our DNA. Dignity is this incredible thing inside all of us, regardless of our outward manifestations, which knows we are made for more. It thirsts for knowledge and for discovering the truth. It seeks freedom and has at its core the desire to be seen as fully human. But history has taught us that as we progress through life, that our inherent worth can be challenged, eroded, not seen, or even completely obliterated. But it can also be affirmed, valued, celebrated. We are just as vulnerable to feeling unworthy as we are to feeling worthy. And we all know the effects of both. If we are not careful in our intention to respect the dignity of others and ourselves, we may, we may either become perpetrators or victims of what Ralph Ellison aptly captured when he said, quote, I am invisible. People refuse to see me they see only my surroundings, themselves, or figments of their imagination, everything and anything except me. End quote. Our purpose then becomes to see with the eyes of our heart and not with the eyes of our heads. Our purpose then becomes to see with the eyes of our hearts and not just the eyes of our heads. But 
It pains God when we don't see with the eyes of our hearts. It pains God. In today's psalm, which was so beautifully sung this morning by the choir, we hear God's disappointment with the generation in the wilderness. For 40 years, I loathed that generation and said they are a people whose hearts go astray and they do not see my ways. The words, even in their profound disappointment, they still are an invitation to us to regard God's ways, to walk in God's ways, to embody those ways, and to point others in that direction. Notice that after the woman leaves Jesus, Jesus' presence and is deeply impacted by the way in which she was fully seen and acknowledged by him in her fullness, in a reality where seemingly she was not being fully seen, her first response is to say, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. Come and see a man. She was astounded. And her first response was to invite others to come and see this man. In the words of the poet Mary Oliver, in her instructions for living a life, pay attention, be astonished, and tell about it. When last have you said, come and see a man? In my experience, this is the truest indicator of being seen by God and being touched by God. When we are impacted, when we are astonished by God's presence in our lives, and we say to others, come, come and see about this man. The remarkable thing about dignity, even though we all have it, is that it is often difficult to see because we are blinded instead by what we think we see. And one of the most effective ways to peel back those lenses is by telling our stories. That is how we become close enough or intimate enough to be able to see another's dignity. Sharing our life stories, listening to others and learning from others In fact, I would venture to posit that stories are our transactional units of dignity. Stories help us see beyond. In the words of the novelist Chimamanda Adichie Ngozi Adichie in her seminal TED Talk, The Danger of a Single Story, which I highly recommend, it will certainly be lovely and powerful to watch and listen to. She says stories matter. Stories have been used to dispossess and to malign. They can also be used to empower and humanize. Stories can break the dignity of a people, but stories can also repair that broken dignity. Our stories are integral to who we are and who we become. 
Our stories give our lives meaning. Our stories make us each human. Our stories connect us. And telling our stories can break down barriers, open doors, break down stigmas, build up hope, and bring freedom, liberation, and even healing for ourselves and for the world. Lent. Lent is such a rich time. And it is so much more than an exercise in willpower. I struggle with willpower every day when I must say yes to only two cookies and not eat the whole bag, especially in Girl Scout season. (laughs) But Lent invites us to be reflective about God's story and how it impacts our stories and interrupts our life stories. But not just to hold that to ourselves, but to tell about it, to tell others about it, and to invite others into it, so they too may experience that power and mystery of God. Lent is a time to reflect on our stories, to end some chapters, and to start some new ones, to turn the pages forward or backward, especially in some parts of our stories where we have been stuck. All the while, though, we have a constant companion in this process, a ghost writer, one who does not leave us or forsake us, one who knows us so intimately, one who intercedes in our lives and prays for us with moans and groans when we do not have the words to pray, one who, without being asked or asking for anything, showers us with grace and mercy and dignity. Ultimately, all of our life stories, in the way we tell them and experience them and see the dignity in them, is to point to the God story, the story that draws all of our stories together. And I urge you today, my friends, I urge you, embrace God's story again. Choose it again. Look again at God's story. See dignity in our own stories and in others. Walk in God's way. Emulate God's story. And tell about it. Invite others to know this story. The story that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The story that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. The story that forgiveness, redemption, and radical transformation are all possible no matter what we have done. The story that light will shatter the darkness and that death is not the end. We are an Easter people and we cannot be silent. Jesus said, even the stones shall cry out in praise. So choose God's story again today and thank God for the ability 
to look again at our dignity. Amen.